Thank you to Western Washington Coalition for Life for sponsoring today's broadcast of Live Talk Northwest. Born from prayer and a promise in 2018, the WWCFL's mission is to provide encouragement and support through resources, education, and information focused on embracing the beauty and sanctity of all human life. Engage with WWCFL at wwcfl.org or on Facebook at Western Washington Coalition for Life. Thank you, WWCFL, for supporting Life Talk Northwest. Welcome to Life Talk Northwest. This is Dan Kennedy, former CEO of Human Life of Washington, and my bubbly and very knowledgeable co-host Katie was unable to be here today. So you have me, just me. Our guest today is, and I'm delighted to have him at this time of year especially, uh, it's guest we've had before, very knowledgeable, Richard Dorflinger, who retired a few years ago from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops Secretariat of Pro-Life Activities, where for 36 years he prepared policy statements and testimony on abortion, euthanasia, and other medical moral issues. He also assisted in the drafting of the bishop's documents on broader issues, such as their election year statements titled Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship, a wonderful document. He has published in many journals and magazines, and his syndicated column is distributed by the National Catholic News Service. He is an associate scholar at the Charlotte Lozier Institute, uh, a terrific institute that does a lot of research, and a fellow at the University of Notre Dame's De Nicola Center for Ethics and Culture. He holds a BA and MA degrees from the University of Chicago and conducted doctoral studies in theology there and at the Catholic University of America. He and his wife, Leanne, are active members of Sacred Heart Parish in Laconner, Washington. Thank you, Richard, for being here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, uh, you wrote a couple of interesting articles uh, that appeared recently, uh, one for America Magazine and one f- that appeared in the Boston Pilot. And uh, you're a little bit frustrated that uh, we're not really having any kind of debate on abortion. Why don't you talk about those articles? Okay, yeah. Uh Well, we're not having a real debate because we have so much misinformation out there that it's difficult to correct them so that you can actually get to the facts as 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 people need to know them. Uh, And I did I did use uh, President Biden as an example because he gave a recent speech where uh, I mean he, he he had just about everything wrong about the federal bill that some Republicans want to pass against abortion. He says it's an absolute total national ban, uh, no exceptions, uh, and uh, so, you know, vote for the guys I like so you can prevent that. But the only, uh, I mean, there's a bill that was introduced recently by one of the senators, but it's, it bans abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Most people don't realize that leaves 94% of the abortions untouched. Yes, it does. Uh because most abortions are done in the first uh, 12 weeks. And, uh, well, actually, half of them are done in the first eight weeks. And uh, 
and it has life of the mother and rape incest um, and uh, severe physical health problem uh, exceptions. Uh, and, you know, at, if you know that, you will realize that, uh, you know, some of the opinion polls that get done on abortion, not the ones that just ask, are you pro-life or are you pro-choice, but the ones that ask, what kind of a policy could you support? Uh, support for abortion among the general public drops off very sharply once you start talking uh, about things that are done after the first uh, three months of pregnancy. And uh, so what he was attacking is something that, in fact, most Americans could support, but he didn't seem to realize that. Uh, but the reason I was sort of picking on him was that he also said that the law in question, the, the, the bill uh, introduced by uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, it goes far beyond what the Catholic Church teaches. And that, I, I thought, needed a response, because the Catholic Church has said that abortion is always an unjust uh, uh, act of violence against a human life. So you're telling me that President uh, Biden misstated the facts. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, he probably believes those are the facts, but... Uh, uh, his staff needs to do uh, more homework, but but I but I've seen these things everywhere in campaign ads and in uh, uh, media representations that there's this uh, there's this group of extremists. Uh, that's the new word, the yeah. new code word, is, is extremists, meaning uh, usually pro-lifers, right. uh, that are going to uh, just take over the country and ban every abortion. Uh, unless we uh, stop them. Uh, one of the local campaign ads I've seen, it says, before it's too late. Well, too late for what exactly? Uh, in Washington State, we have one of the most extreme abortion laws in the country. Uh, it's totally uh, wide open. Uh, it, you know, theoretically, up until the moment of birth, sure. and they've even passed a law that says it doesn't have to be a physician That's correct. who does the abortions. It could be a nurse uh, practitioner, a physician's assistant, a nurse midwife. Uh, that's especially dangerous. You're talking about opening up abortion to uh, the later months of pregnancy. My goodness, uh, don't seem to be. It doesn't seem to care much for women's safety either. That is exactly but, right. Uh, it doesn't, does it? Yeah, yeah, so it's, but, and as you know, uh, every statewide official in Washington State, elected official, is a member of the party that supports this policy. And the state legislature has a rather comfortable majority in favor. So I'm, I'm not sure why it is that folks like me are being accused of being about to take over the world. I think I would have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think I would have uh, too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's kind of you know I, I mean I think this is a you know it's a political strategy to create uh, if you can't say anything positive about yourself create fear and panic about your opponent but it's in uh, it's an especially uh, common thing right now and particularly on abortion on uh, on the unborn child. Uh, offhand, I mean, before the reversal of Roe v. Wade, I would not have said that it was a necessarily a completely winning strategy to say, vote against my opponent because he doesn't want to kill your child. But uh, 
you know, people have been in such a panic after the Dobbs decision. Uh, and I do want to say something about that. You know, I, I think the Supreme Court uh, was basically not telling this information when it when it said in the in its Planned Parenthood, uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey decision in, in 1992 that since Roe, a generation of people, men and women, had organized their lives around the idea that abortion is available if contraception fails. I mean, that's a very sad statement to organize your life around the option of ending the life of your son or your daughter. But uh, but I, I, I think there's something to that. The law is a teacher, and Roe v. Wade has been a very bad teacher mm-hmm. for almost 50 years. And it's a, it is going to take a lot of effort, a lot of education, a lot of uh, support for pregnant women and their families to turn that around. And so uh, you had these kind of panicked reactions, which are now, you know, people are now being told, turn that panic into anger and opposition against people who believe the unborn child should have some respect. Uh, and that's what we're seeing now. I'm, I'm hoping we can turn that around. But that's a cultural change, and cultural change can take a very long time to, uh, to really put into effect. It can indeed. In fact, uh, we're, we're speaking with uh, Richard Dorflinger, uh, retired from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, Secretariat of Pro-Life Activities after 36 years. Um, what, is, what I find particularly frustrating uh, in, in discussing this and all the misinformation out there, what, what gets lost is not only just the debate about abortion itself, but as you mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, what gets lost is the other options and the and the taking care of women. Uh, the woman herself gets lost in this. Like it's all focus. Here is your only option, and and these big bad wolves are trying to take that away. It is so sad because, as you said, we need to offer help and care and resources to these women. Uh, and that's getting lost in this whole misinformation uh, and fear strategy. Yeah, and it's and the, and those options, you would think, are something that people could agree about across the aisle. Yeah, uh, the, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, as you, as you mentioned, as I used to work for, they're supporting something called the Pregnant Worker Fairness Act to uh, require uh, large employers to make accommodations for flex time and so on for working mothers. They're, they're pushing for an improvement in the child tax credit. And, uh, and it's, it's been true. Of, I mean, we, our organization supported the Family and Medical Leave Act years ago. We really wanted it to be uh, paid uh, mm-hmm. maternity leave, but uh, uh, the only requirement federally is unpaid, but we'd love to see that uh, have paid leave. And the bishops, uh, starting two years ago, uh, they began a program called Walking with Moms in Need. They were encouraging every diocese, every parish, to uh, assess what the resources are locally for uh, women with uh, unexpected pregnancy who need help, and to make sure that any woman who needs to knows what those services are. 
And if they're not there in sufficient, uh, uh, you know, uh, sufficient quantity and so on to improve them and, you know, provide more resources, more funds to pregnancy aid centers to uh, start programs yourself. Here in Washington State, we have this wonderful program called yes, Prepares. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, the volunteers there, they will accompany and, and uh, be of help to pregnant women and her family all the way up to the child's fifth year. So this is, uh, you know, this is not, uh, you know, oh, you, you want the child to live until birth, but then you abandon them. No. <laughs> this is five years' commitment to hunting down whatever that family needs uh, for themselves and, and their child. So it's, uh, we need a lot more of this kind of creative thinking. And, uh, well, at the University of Notre Dame, who I'm a, a fellow, they're also working on programs of this kind, and um, including, you know, possible legislative proposals mm-hmm. to, uh, to increase this support. And meanwhile, what we had on the, in the wake of uh, the Dobbs decision was people enraged, uh, people who support abortion, uh, trying to burn down pregnancy aid centers. Right, right. But what, what's that about? <laughs> do, you, do you really think that it really abortion really should be the only choice? Yeah, that is. Why, why do you call it a Why do you call it a choice then? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's only one. <laughs> exactly. You can have spinach for dinner. That's your choice. Um, we are speaking with Richard Dorfinger, uh, retired after thirty six years from the Conference of Catholic Bishops, U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, Secretariat of Pro Life Activities, and we are going to take a short break. We have a lot more to discuss on this uh, lack of debate on the abortion issue and the women getting lost in the, in the process. And we will be right back. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Welcome back to Life Talk Northwest. I'm Dan Kennedy, and our guest today is Richard Dorfinger, uh, retired after 36 years with the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops Secretariat of Pro-Life Activities. And before the break, uh, uh, Richard, we were talking about uh, the wonderful programs that that in fact, pro-lifers and Catholics in particular also uh, have a lot to do with helping women with resources and walking with them. And you mentioned the bishops program. And and uh, is there a website that uh, people can go to? Yeah, the program is called Walking with Moms in Need, and the webpage is called Walking with Moms 
dot com. No spaces, just. And uh, they have a newsletter on the web page every month to show uh, progress in dioceses around the country in living up to this call to improve services for women who uh, are pregnant or parenting. Uh, latest one from the, the September issue talks about Rochester, New York, Chicago, Honolulu, St. Louis, Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, these are all updates on what the Church is doing around the country, and it's, and it's very gratifying to me to see that. Uh, the, uh, the Bishop's Conference was very wise to start thinking about how to do this like two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, well before people knew that Roe was going to be reversed, but they saw that it could happen and uh, got themselves organized in advance, which is wonderful. Well, uh, you know, we don't want uh, women lost in the debate, and, uh, and, and well, there, there is no debate. Uh, we don't want women lost in the misinformation and the and the the focus entirely on this is your choice and it's abortion. Um, so the other thing I want to discuss uh, is that and and I went through this uh, as CEO of Human Life trying to explain to people um, that it is okay uh, for legislators to vote for imperfect legislation. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and this is this is something that especially divided the pro-life movement nationally back in the 1980s. Uh, but in 1995, uh, Pope Saint John Paul II did this wonderful encyclical called "The Gospel of Life: Evangelium Vitae," and I think, as far as Catholics are concerned, he settled that debate because he said, "Look, if if you have a situation in which a law that uh, allows abortions very broadly is either uh, in in place already or is pending. It, it's it is not wrong to propose instead something that limits the damage, that limits the number of abortions, that uh, reduces the injustice. You're not you're not endorsing the abortions that remain. You're doing what you can here and now and trying to build for a future in which, hopefully, uh, you can have every child protected in law. But uh, but that was something that, uh, you know, people had a lot of debates about in the pro-life movement, that somehow you are accepting, you are endorsing any injustice that you fail to address right now because it's not possible right now. And he said, that's not right. You are doing everything you are doing is good. You're not able to do all the good right now. So the, the bishops could support, for example, and, and they have supported uh, the proposed uh, federal ban on abortions after uh, five months, after 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, even that has not passed Congress. It's passed the House three times in past Congresses, but not the Senate. But uh, that would at least say, you know, as a sort of floor of protection, you know, you states like Washington and so on, we're we're not going to have abortion wide open to the moment of birth. We, you know, we have to set some kind of minimum protection and states can build on that to go farther than that. And maybe Congress someday can go farther than that as well. So, uh, 
I mean, I think especially in this climate where you have so many states that are uh, making up for the loss of Roe v. Wade by passing their own laws that actually are more extreme than Roe. Yeah. Uh, in every state, you need to be assessing what it is possible to do. Well, you know, uh, I so. find it interesting that, uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, there is a one-party rule, essentially, in this state, and that party supports mm. abortion up until the time of birth. And I find it particularly frustrating uh, that the media will rarely, uh, I don't know if I've ever heard it, rarely ask candidates from that party uh, the question of, well, when when would you draw the line? Mm. Where would you draw the line? Uh, they're never asked that because... Um, that would actually lead to some sort of debate, probably. Yeah, I mean, the you know, one of the things I've been interested in is this idea of 20 weeks, because I found out some years back that at the time Roe v. Wade was handed down, there was this textbook from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists on terminology used to be used in obstetrics. And they defined an induced abortion as the intentional termination of pregnancy before 20 weeks. Mm. Well, after 20 weeks, it's not even an abortion. Uh, Roe v. Wade created the legal fiction of of a third trimester, uh, you know, last months of pregnancy abortion. And then the obstetrical profession, or at least its leaders, uh, went ahead with it. But that's not what the medical definition was. So after 20 weeks, it was, you know, like a premature delivery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is about that 20 weeks after fertilization is right about the time when it is possible now with medical advances to deliver a child and have the child born alive and survive. So if woman wants to be free of the pregnancy, why are we insisting that the child has to die when the, that option is available. So, it, it, you know, I think all the you know the good arguments are on the side of doing at the very least that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there is this commitment now to there has to be total not only uh, freedom, not only the choice, but a kind of entitlement that government resources have to be put behind promoting and expanding abortion. I almost wish for the good old days when Bill Clinton used to say that abortion should be safe, <laughs> legal, and rare. <laughs> because there isn't... That's long no gone. more talk of rare. <laughs> yeah. There's no more talk of rare. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the laws that have been in, you know, the, the, the height of the number of abortions nationally, um, the peak was in 1990 when we had one 0.6 million abortions a year. And in the intervening years, without any change in the Supreme Court, it had gone down to about half of that. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a major factor there were these seemingly very modest state laws. Exactly right. Uh, you know, funding childbirth but not providing public funds for abortion. Uh, parental rights when a when an unemancipated minor seeks an abortion informed consent laws health regulations for clinics 
These were reducing the abortions. And those laws are now under attack from the major pro-abortion bill that's pending in Congress, which has already passed the House, because any law that may limit full and ready access to abortion is to be knocked down. Yeah, so you know, beyond yeah, absolutely. And and uh, I was listening to someone the other day talk about uh, uh, a, a black uh, commentator talk about the fact that how sad it is that 50 percent of the of uh, the black babies in New York City uh, mm. are never born, you know. Yeah. And and then uh, you add to what's going on with chemical abortions now and the trauma that women feel and how many, in fact, I was just reading an article about uh, how many who have endured a chemical abortion, and that is an awful thing uh, to endure by yourself, and um, how many asked for help and needed someone to help uh, emotionally. Uh, oh, yeah. After the event. the woman is left alone. Absolutely. I mean, in some cases, you know, now under the uh, uh, the Biden administration, you can get those pills prescribed by telemedicine. You never actually see a doctor, right? In 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 person. So this, you know, medical professional assesses you over the over Zoom or whatever, and sends you the pills, and then you take them and you have. You know, you eject this dead child uh, at home, right. and then you have to deal with that. Into the toilet. Uh, and, and some of them are incomplete and then have to be followed up by a surgical abortion. Yeah, the you know. The patient rate is actually higher for these than for other abortions. But uh, it's being widely promoted, uh, and partly it's being promoted as a way to get around any state laws that limit abortion because— uh, you can send them from other states where it's legal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, this is doctor, doctor over the uh, over the internet. You know, uh, particularly if you're talking with younger patients, they're not really patients at that point. To the doctors who do this, they are customers. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, they don't know your family history. Uh, Younger people may not even know their own family history, you know, that uh, Aunt Betty had this or, you know, the kinds of things that if you went into a doctor's office, uh, they would cover with you. So um, what, what uh, as we talked about the women, we talked about what's going on within the church in terms of uh, the preparers program here or um, the walking with uh, moms uh, at the national level, uh, what advice? We have about one minute left. What advice uh, would you give, uh, particularly as we're getting close to elections, um, uh, people, you know, responsible citizenship requires us to take these things into account? Hmm. Well, I would say, and this, this is something I learned from uh, my friend Robert George, who's at Princeton University. He's been a great uh, pro-life scholar for many years, uh, speak the truth in charity. I think we have to be sympathetic to the what many women and some men uh, experience as a change in their universe mm-hmm. with the reversal of Roe v. Wade, and how scared. I mean, I think the anger comes from fear. Yes. 
and uh, and some people want to whip up that fear further. But what we need to demonstrate is that we care about them as well, and we care about their needs, and we want to help them meet those needs. And uh, and this is this is what has converted uh, many people who used to work for abortion clinics That's like right. Abby Johnson. Right. She figured out the protesters outside cared more about her than her boss did at the <laughs> clinic. Uh, we need to, uh, you know, beat the other side at loving. Right. Exactly <laughs> right. First, first priority. Yep. Well, Richard, I want to thank you for being here. We've been speaking with uh, Richard Dorflinger, uh, formerly with the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops Secretariat of Pro-Life Activities for 36 years. Uh, Richard, it's been wonderful. You are a blessing to us and to our audience. Uh, and we'll have to have you back again to assess uh, now what, I guess. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> All right. Thank you, Richard. And I want to thank, thank our listeners uh, for listening to Life Talk Northwest here on Sacred Heart Radio. Thank you to Western Washington Coalition for Life for sponsoring today's broadcast of Life Talk Northwest. Born from prayer and a promise in 2018, the WWCFL's mission is to provide encouragement and support through resources, education, and information focused on embracing the beauty and sanctity of all human life. Engage with WWCFL at WWCFL.org or on Facebook at Western Washington Coalition for Life. Thank you, WWCFL, for supporting Life Talk Northwest.